I'd like you to open your Bible with me this morning to the book of 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 15 and 16. This is a little little sort of a different uh, passage of Scripture. You don't hardly ever hear a message out of this passage. But I believe the Lord put it on my heart uh, sort of as a challenge of our faith. And here in 2 Corinthians 10, I'm reading in verse 15, we do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others. But our hope, this is Paul's hope, is that as your faith increases, he's talking to you as a church member here at Family Life. He says, my hope is as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged. I don't know why I never saw the connection between your faith growing and the influence of this church growing. And by the way, this church's influence is growing. A family, can I have a better amen? amen. Family Life Church. You say, well, we're just a, we're just a few uh, Lafayette people sitting here together in a building. No, when you come together for a common objective... And a leader who has vision, you would be surprised at the influence that a church, a congregation of normal, average, working people like us can have. So when, as my faith grows as a church member, the influence of the church grows so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you. There's over 200 nations of the world I haven't been to all of them. I've been to 40 or 50 of them. But this world is vast. It's so huge. You know, I'm told that there's 7 billion people on the planet. 7 billion. That's, that sounds like the national debt or something, doesn't it? 7 billion. I can't even get my arms around that. But only 2 billion of those are Christian. And that's counting everybody. Half of those are Roman Catholic. So two billion people are Christianized or Christianized or whatever you want to call them. Five billion are like totally lost. No gospel witness or they've rejected or whatever, but we know those five billion people are not saved. Now, how many people is that? I asked the Lord one time, I was just preparing for a Sunday night missions message. And I said, Lord, just give me a little illustration so I can get my arms around it. It just sounds like so many people, I can't even comprehend it. And instantly, I could see a line that formed at the pulpit of our church. Let's act like that line is here in the service this morning. And that line was people lined up without even a piece of paper between them. They were just like, like stacked. And the line went out the, out the uh, auditorium into the lobby. And here's my question. How far would a line of 5 billion people go? How far? Well, we've probably all figured out it would go all the way to Baton Rouge down I-10. You, you've probably figured that out. How many of you believe it would go to Baton Rouge? Okay, most of us. It would go all the way to Georgia. In fact, if we could put a bridge over the Atlantic Ocean, that line of people from your pulpit here would go to the coast of France. Somebody in France could call on their cell phone, talk to somebody in the front of the line, say, I'm in the same line, I'm in France. 
And then the line would go all the way over Europe, even Russia. Now, Russia's eight time zones. It takes 10 hours to fly across Russia, 10 or 11 hours. The line would go all the way through Russia to Japan. If we could build a bridge over the Pacific Ocean, which is so huge, I've been over it many times, that bridge would come all the way back to California, to the west coast of California, Los Angeles, where I was just Thursday. The line would come down I-10, again, all the way across Texas and through Lake Charles. And if you can believe it, the line would come back in that exit and the last person in the line could shake hands with the first person. All the way around the world. That's how many lost people 5 billion is. But wait a minute. The line would go out the door again and circle the whole world, come back in here again two times, three times, five times, 10 times, 15 times, 20 times, 25 times, 30, 35 times, 37 times. That line would go all the way around the world. Now, that's a long line. It's hard for us to imagine how many lost people there are. But what that tells us is that we have to stretch our faith. This job of winning the world to Christ is so big that unless our faith stretches, we'll never accomplish it in our lifetime or this century or anywhere else. But when your faith stretches, you're going to be shocked and how quickly we can finish the Great Commission. Years ago, I gave my kids a doll called Stretch Armstrong. Any of you remember that? It had a cheesy grin on his face. His arms were made out of rubber. And you could pull them about six feet long. You know, I don't know what it was, but we just liked that doll. And and I've been thinking about stretching my faith. So put your arms out in front of you, everybody, Okay. Put your arms out in front of you like this. And what are we going to do this morning, Family Life Church? We're going to stretch our faith. Okay, now I want to hear you say it this time. What are we going to do today? We're going to stretch our faith. Now we're going to do it one more time. And I want you this time to slap somebody that's sleeping next to you, okay? <laughs> what, what, what are we going to do today, Family Life Church? I want to hear you really loud. We're going to... Stretch our faith. Come on, give the Lord a great hand clap if you believe it today. Yeah. Now, you know, stretching is important the older you get. I'm 62, and when I made 60, you know, I did a little research, and they said if you don't stretch your muscles every day, they're going to start shrinking 2% a year. That means by the time I'm 80 or 90, I'm just going to be like a shriveled up little guy. So I decided every day I'm going to stretch like this. Every day I'm going to, you know, stretch out my legs and and stretch. I've even gotten to the point that I can do this. Yeah. Come on, Brother Todd. Come on up here. Let's get. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) But what what that's doing, it's keeping my muscles from shrinking and, and that's what faith is. Here, here's the biggest thing you can hear so far. Faith is a muscle. Faith is a muscle. It's not a feeling. It's not this kind of um, weird, ethereal feeling. 
Oh, I think I feel faith right now. Faith is a muscle. And if you confront that muscle, it, like lifting weights, when you confront your muscles with weight and make it push, you're building those muscles. I, I work out every now and then. You know, I really lift a lot of heavy weight. And I've discovered the most difficult machine in the health club. You guys know what that is? It's the front door. That thing's hard to move for some reason. But it's something about challenging the muscles of your body that cause them to grow. Now, everybody wants to grow spiritually, but they don't realize that they have to be challenged in order to grow. Your faith doesn't grow just because you say, well, faith grow any more than your body does. So faith is a muscle. Now, I, I figured out three ways that my faith stretches. And this is over. I've been in the ministry since I was 16. So I, and I'm 62. So, you know, 46 years I've been preaching, been in the ministry, been pastoring 28 of those years. And in and, and, and all of my experience through the years, only three things have stretched my faith. You want to know what they are? Number one, please write these down somewhere because they're going to be so easy. You stretch your faith. My faith stretches when I have a need. My faith stretches when I have a need. How many of you would say you have a huge need in your life today? Raise up your hand if you do. See, something in your finances, your health, your family, your business. And I don't know about you, but I don't like a need. I like to have plenty of money in the bank, all my kids serving God, perfect health. But sometimes, every now and then, a little need will slip through the fence. And all of a sudden, I find myself with this need. And I'm not talking about a small need. I'm talking about I need a miracle. Well, that need actually has been allowed by the Lord, I believe, because he's ready to stretch my muscles of faith. And until I experience the need, half the time, I don't even look in the Bible to see what it has to say about that area of need. If you've never had a sickness in your body, you probably don't even know where one verse is about healing in the Scripture. But when that doctor says, you're going to die, you're going to I'm coming, I'm coming, brother. You're going to find Scripture. You're going to find 30 Scriptures. You're going to memorize them. You're going to quote them. You're going to get filled with the word of God because that need has forced your faith to stretch. As a pastor, I've had to try to help people find verses of scripture. I remember hearing about one guy that he didn't know where a verse in the scripture was. So he just opened the Bible and pointed his finger. Have you ever done that? Don't do that. This guy pointed and it said, Judas went out and hanged himself. Well, he wasn't fond of that verse, so he tried it again and pointed down and it said, uh, go thou and do likewise. <laughs> that didn't sit right either, so he tried one third time and it said, go what thou doest, do quickly. <laughs> well, see, that's not the way you study the Bible, but faith stretches when I have a need and, and, and all of a sudden, 
I've got to learn the word of God and its promises to help me get through that need now. So, so quit resenting needs as intruders. They are intruders, but recognize you are going to come through this problem. I said, you are going to come through this problem. You're going to make it. That family's going to be healed. The Lord is going to do a miracle. But something about your faith is going to get a lot bigger as the need comes to a close. You know, years ago, I, I was thinking about when Jesus fed the 5,000 and how he, he had 5,000 men, hungry men. And yet he turned and looked to his disciples and said, you give them something to eat. Now, he could have done it, but he wanted them to stretch their faith. Well, of course, Philip raised his hand and said, now, Lord, you know, if if we had a year's salary, it would only give every man just a little bite. I'm sure Jesus said, oh, thank you, Philip, for that information. <laughs> and then Andrew comes forward with a little boy. And he said, Lord, here's a little boy with five loaves and two fish. Is this enough to get started? Now, you're talking about 5,000 men. We got seven, 800 of us sitting here right now. Think about, about, about five, six times this number of just men. And a little boy's got him a couple of biscuits and a few sardines. And Jesus said, that's perfect. What he was saying is, I see your faith stretching. And he multiplied that bread and fish and he fed those 5,000 men and all their wives and kids. And they picked up 12 baskets, tall baskets in the Greek, left over. Now that shows me that a need will require something from you. And the need itself will stretch your faith and multiply itself and meet the need. You know, when faith is released, it attracts resources to you. I don't know if you know that or not. So this is the first point I wanted to make is that faith is always stretched by a need. Years ago, we were participating in building a dormitory in Kenya. It, it, it cost about $150,000. And we gave a little bit toward it as a church. But a guy in Mobile, a businessman, praise God for businessmen. He ran an oil recycling business, and he was at a refinery one day, and he noticed a pipe was leaking oil, just one of the mainline pipes in the refinery. So he told the plant manager, he said, that pipe's leaking. He said, I know it. We'd have to close half the refinery just to fix that little leak. So we just let it drip on the ground. He said, can I put a barrel under that drip? Sure, the guy said, we don't have time to fool with that. So he went back a few days later, and the barrel was full of oil. He sold that barrel, put another barrel under there, and he did that for months. He kept going back, changing out the barrel, selling the oil. Over a period of many months, and he added some of his own money with it, do you know how much money he generated from that leaking pipe? $150,000 dollars. Enough to build the whole dormitory in Kenya. I've been to the dormitory there in Nairobi. And it came from a leaking pipe, for heaven's sake. And what that tells me is that God has a leaky pipe for every one of you in here, too. 
If you have the heart and you want to do something about those 37 lines, that need causes your faith to stretch. Okay, number two, you stretch your faith with a dream. You stretch your faith with a dream. Now, need is just going to happen. You don't have any control over it. It's just going to happen. But a dream is something you have to ask the Holy Spirit to give you a picture of the future. Something that looks impossible to you that the Holy Spirit just rolls back the curtain of your future and shows you something. I guarantee you this building was at one point a dream in someone's mind. That building next door that you're building, I saw the blueprint up in the office. Pastor Todd is dreaming about that building. He's already got kids in there. He's got everything in his mind. Because a dream stretches your faith. The Bible says, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit. And your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Now, I'm still seeing visions. That's how I know I'm a young man. Come on, somebody. So vision is important, but some of you've lost your dream. When you go through terrible storms in life, you know what happens? You, instead of dreaming, you lose your dream and you go into survival. You're just trying to make it day to day. You're not thinking of anything to accomplish. One of my dearest friends, my mentor in ministry, one of my six mentors that has helped me was Dr. Lester Sumrall, an apostle. And Doc Sumrall, I remember at 80 years of age, sat at Ralph and Kaku's there in Baton Rouge and wept. He'd had a vision of Christians in Africa that didn't have any clothing. And he said, God has spoken to me to buy a ship and a plane, a C-130, and deliver relief supplies to African Christians that are living in the jungle that they've been in a refugee camp. And he wept at 80. Now, most people at 80 are trying to improve their golf handicap or something. But Doc Sumrall said, I got to buy this ship. And I'm talking about he bought the ship. I saw it at the port in Baton Rouge. We're talking about an ocean-going ship he bought. And then a C-130 aircraft is huge. You can put tanks up in it. He bought one of those. He bought a shortwave network of stations around the world, seven television stations. He's in his 80s. When he was 83, he flew across the Atlantic Ocean three times in one month in economy class. Doc Sumrall never stopped dreaming a dream. And he made this statement to me. He said, Larry, fulfillment in life comes not from living in a house, but from building a house. When you're building a house, you're so excited to see the sheetrock go in and the cabinets and the shingles and everything. You just can't wait to go down there every day and see it. But once it's finished, you just sit in your lazy boy recliner with 500 cable channels and just watch TV. There's nothing fulfilling about that. Everybody needs a dream. Everybody needs something that's bigger than them that will stretch their faith. Can I tell you about my dream that I had? Having been a missionary in Africa, I always wanted to pay for a Reinhard Bonnke crusade. I, I don't know if you know who that is, Brother Bonnke, German missionary, does huge crusades in Africa. In 10 years, he saw 62 million people saved. And I prayed, Lord, help our church 
to pay for a Reinhard Bonnke crusade. Now, in my 28 years as pastor, we gave $63 million to missions. Come on, somebody. So we have a real missions heart. But I just, I asked him on an email, how much does a crusade cost? He sent me the budget. It was almost a million dollars. Well, I thought it'd be about a hundred thousand. I thought even God doesn't have that much money. I don't think, you know. So I told the church my dream. I said, if one of you has a million dollars in your pocket and you cough and it falls out on the ground, we'll pay for that crusade. How's that sound? Everybody laughed except one young man. He was sitting in the back. And he raised his hands that day. I didn't know he'd done it. He said, Lord, if you'll give me that million dollars, I'll pay for that crusade. Just about two weeks later, his company approached him about an investment proposition they wanted to make nationwide, and they wanted him to lead it. And they said, if you can raise a certain amount of capital in that amount of time, we'll give you any bonus that you want. He said, I know how much I want. They said, really? He said, yeah, I want a million-dollar bonus. He just jumped on it. And they said, for what? He said, a Reinhard Bonnke crusade. Well, they said, well, whatever. You know, we don't know him, but whatever you want to do. Well, you know, a year later, he tapped me on the shoulder. He said, you remember that million dollars we were believing God for, for Reinhard Bonnke? I said, yeah. He said, I got the money. I have the check. Who do we make it out to? I couldn't believe what I was hearing. His faith had stretched to the point that he could believe God for a million dollars. And we flew to Florida and we handed that to Brother Bonke in a home in West Palm Beach. He said, would you go with me to the crusade? We said, we would love to. And about 10 or 11 of us flew with Bonke to Nigeria, where I was, about 100 miles from where I was a missionary. If I could just describe it, a half a million people were standing on this jungle field. They had spent months clearing the jungle. People walked for hours to get there and stood five hours a night, no chairs, as Bonky preached the gospel. I remember Tuesday night, he prayed for the sick and nine blind people came to the platform who had been healed. One man had been blind his whole life, 38 years old, his family was with him, and he chased Bonky all around the stage. I remember that. Unbelievable. We cried. You know, in five nights that we were there, you know how many people got saved and filled out a decision card? 1.1 million people got saved. Isn't that something? Hey, from a bonus... A bonus? What? Really? The company never even missed it. But a million new names were added to the book of life because the young man sitting in a service like this one said, Lord, I believe you for that. You know, I had a guy approach me at nine o'clock in this church. He said, I'm believing for a stadium to be filled with men. I said, I agree with you, brother. You see, how is he going to do that? I don't know. But I can see a faith muscle stretching when I see it. And I don't know who you are. I don't know why God has you in this church. But let me tell you something. God's about to bless you. I realize that when God gives a man a million-dollar vision, 
he must intend to bless the people in the church with the resources to fulfill that vision. The world is not going to do that. It's the church. And so guess what? You're about to be real blessed. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm about to be real blessed. That's right. Because God's given Brother Todd and Tanya a tremendous vision. And he's going to bless you with the resources. That's a dream. Number three, you stretch your faith with a seed. First with a need. And that's going to happen whether you want it to or not. It's going to stretch your faith. And then you stretch your faith with a dream. And you have something to do with that. You have to say, Lord, give me my dream back. Lord, give me an impossibility for souls that will reach those 37 lines of people, which I see them every day in my mind. That, that, those, that image of those 37 lines in my brain. And then the last one, and this is a simple one, you stretch your faith with a seed. A seed. Now, you know, a seed is an interesting thing. It's not meant to be eaten. Somebody gave me some peaches a couple of days ago. And this morning I had a peach for breakfast. I pulled a peach out of that, uh, the seed out of that peach. How would you like to eat a good peach seed for breakfast? You know, seeds do not digest. They just pass through your body. God gives us at on a certain occasion an opportunity to sow a significant seed that will stretch our faith beyond anything we've ever done. I remember being in Mexico back in November of 20, uh, 2012. And I was down there in Monterey. And um, in a conference, I was preaching at, but somebody else was doing that session. And it was a couple from the Dominican Republic. They spoke Spanish and they were interpreted. And the lady interested me because she was a former prostitute in Amsterdam who got saved and ended up marrying this pastor. And I'm sitting in the building. I thought, isn't that amazing? A prostitute became a pastor's wife. It really blessed me. And about that time, a voice spoke to me in my spirit. And said an amount of money that I was supposed to give them for a car. Well, I said, I rebuke you, devil, in Jesus' name. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I mean, don't look so holy out there. It, a seed costs you something. And I, and I thought, then I thought, well, you know, Melanie's not down here. And, and I would never give that amount of money without my wife. Being here, you know, I'm the head, but she's the neck that turns the head. (laughs) Well, the Lord said, I didn't ask you to ask Melanie. I want you to give that seed to that couple. Now, for me, it was a a good amount of money. And so, but I just wrote the check out, you know, just filled in the amount and I was going to make the check out to them. And I put it in an envelope. And after the service, I went over to him and I said, do y'all need a car? What I was hoping is that they would say, no, we really don't. <laughs> and I would say, well, that's, that's great. And I'd just keep the money. They dropped their eyes and both of them started crying. As soon as I said it, they said, yes, we do. And I said, now, I can't give you a car, 
but I can give you a little seed that'll get you started toward one. And I handed him that envelope. Never thought any more about it. I got home about three days later, and I had lost a crown, by the way, in Mexico. I'm crowned with many crowns. I don't know about you. but I'm, And I'll go to my Christian dentist when I get back, and he uh, is preparing the crown in the other room. And the funny thing happened. I'm laid in his chair, and I noticed a plaque, a scripture plaque that on the wall of this Christian dentist. Every Christian dentist ought to have it. It said, open thy mouth wide. Psalm 81, verse 10, open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. (laughs) So the guy comes back in the room and he says, I just checked your insurance. It's $500 crown. He said, they're going to pay for 50% of it. He said, you've saved $250. Merry Christmas, he said. This was in November. I thought, wow, that's cool. I get in my car driving home and the Lord spoke to me and he said, you pleased me in Mexico when you obeyed me and you sowed that seed to that couple. He said, I'm going to open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing you cannot contain. I didn't even think any more about it. I told Melanie when I got home and God is my witness. That was the end of November. By the end of January, 40 times the amount that we sowed to that couple for their car had come to us from the most unexpected sources. And I don't believe God is a celestial slot machine that you put in something, pull the handle down, and all this money comes out. That's not why I give. I give to obey Him and to please Him. But my brothers and sisters, it went on all that year of 2012. In fact, I'm kind of looking for a place to sow a seed here in Lafayette right now. Hallelujah. Because the seed has such power to multiply, to stretch, to increase. And many of you have been sowing seed toward missions. And it's cost you something. You've... Really obey God. Never give by any kind of forced coercion. You could try 30 minutes to get me to give. If God doesn't speak to me, I'm not going to do anything. But when the Lord speaks to you about something, be ready to move. Because that's the muscle of your faith wanting to stretch to a new dimension. Years ago, I was in ORU and a professor was talking about a tribe in Tibet, way up in the Himalaya mountains. And he said that tribe is so high up in those mountains, 18,000 feet up, that nobody can reach them. There's no roads. He said the only way to reach them is a military helicopter. And said, and isn't it a shame? He said, we don't have the money to buy one of those. I don't know how much they cost, five, ten million dollars for sure. And he said, that tribe will never hear the gospel because we can't afford one of those helicopters. And I'm sitting there in the classroom. I'm just listening. I thought, that's a shame. And about that time, brothers and sisters, and I don't have a lot of dreams and visions, but the whole room just kind of disappeared. And I saw the cross. 
I saw Jesus hanging there with nails in his hands and his feet. His head was swollen twice the size of a human being from that crown that they had beaten into his skull. Blood was everywhere, came down every part of his whole body. He was naked and he was covered in his own blood. And I could hear him just in a moment. This didn't last 10 seconds. I could hear him crying out, my God, why have you abandoned me? Where are you? Why have you abandoned me? And the father spoke to me in that moment. And he said, do you hear what I had to listen to a whole day? As my son died on the cross for every tribe and tongue and people and nation to be saved. He said, I had to hear him as he cried out my name and said, why have you abandoned me? And then he asked me this question. He said, if I was willing to undergo that much pain that day as my son died for the sins of the world, why would I not give you a little money to go tell those people that he did that for them? Why would I not? Man, I'm telling you, something changed in me in college. I realized God's not withholding finances from us. It's our faith. God loves people. He doesn't care about money. Money doesn't mean anything to him. He creates what he wants. But he said, what would keep me from giving you whatever you ask me for if it's for the purpose of winning souls. From that time forward, yes, I believe for a military helicopter to reach that tribe. Why, you say? Because Jesus died for them. And the Father don't care about money, but he will give me whatever I need. If it's a TV station, great. If it's a radio station, great. Whatever, if it's a ship, you see, that's how, that's how your faith stretches is when you realize those 37 lines are lost. They really are going to hell. And God wants to bless you. I wonder if you'd just bow your heads with me right now. I'm through preaching. And I feel like this was an impartation to this church because you stretch your faith with a need and a dream and a seed. All across this room, just get still before the Lord. I wonder who got out of bed this morning and thought, I think I'm going to go to that family life church. I've got sin in my heart. And when you laid down last night, you thought about it. You didn't know if you died, whether you'd go to heaven or hell. That bothers you. It should. It bothered me for years. I didn't know if I was right with God. If you're here, sir, ma'am, young person, you listen to me very carefully because Jesus loves you. He died for you on that cross. He was covered in his own blood for you. And you're here and you would say, you know what, pastor? I need forgiveness. I need his blood to wash me clean, make me a new person. Our heads are bowed everywhere across this room. But if that's you, I'm talking to you. And you would say, include me. Include me in that prayer. I really want to get forgiven here today. I don't want to put it off another week. If that's you, here's what I want you to do. 
without hesitation. Slip up your hand, hold it up high, and leave it there. Do it right now, all across this building. Include me in that prayer. There, 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 back there. God bless you. Just leave it there. Put it up high and leave it there. I need forgiveness. There. God is dealing with your heart. Thank you, Lord. Back there. Father, I just thank you for people being saved in here this morning. Thank you for the Holy Spirit drawing people to the cross. In Jesus' name. Could I ask you guys that raised your hand as we all stand? Let's all stand together. Could I ask you that raised your hand? Keep your heads bowed. All of you that raised your hand up just a moment ago, here's what I want you to do. I want you to slip past your neighbors into the aisles. And I want you to walk just a few steps forward. It won't take you 30 seconds. And get out of here. Get up up here to the front. And just form a line across the front so I can lay my hands on you and pray for you. Even if you didn't raise your hand, but you wish you would have. And you say, I need to get right with God. Here they come. People are coming. I got to get saved. I got to get right. Somebody's bringing a friend. Somebody's coming by themselves. Here comes this couple. That's right. About four or five people coming that way. Just form a single file line. Single file line all across the front. I got to get right with God. I need forgiveness. I need a change in my life. Thank you, Lord. There's young couples coming. They're probably the ones that got up this morning and said, let's go to that church. You know, Family Life Church, you're a lighthouse to this community. That's why your tithe and everything you do is so critical because you're you're supporting a lighthouse like out there on the Gulf. If ships couldn't find the opening to the mouth of the Mississippi or something, we'd have catastrophe. Just a lighthouse for people to be saved. Now, you guys standing down here at the front, what a blessing. Put your hand over your heart. Just put your hand over your heart. 25, 30 people down here getting saved. Say it out loud. Say, Lord Jesus. Everybody join him. Say, Lord Jesus. I come to the cross. Wash me in your blood. Forgive my past. Make me a new person. Satan, leave me now. From this day forward. My name is written in heaven. And I will serve the Lord Jesus. I'll be water baptized. And I'm going to follow the Lord in the house of God. I thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name. Let's give them a hand clap for getting saved. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want counselor, just stay where you are down front here. Counselor is going to come minister to you in just a moment. Everybody in this building with your eyes closed, I want you to stretch your hands as wide as your faith. Would you do that? Lift your hands and stretch them as wide as your faith. Maybe today you're saying, Lord, I thank you for what I've done in the past for you, but I'm ready to go to another level. Yeah, he's ready to bless you. Father, I just thank you that you know who's in this service, business people, housewives, college students, and Lord, they need miracles in their needs. And I ask you to meet those needs, Father. And then I pray you'd give them a dream, Father, something bigger than themselves, and then show them a seed that they can plant their dream in capsule form. I bind you, enemy, off their family and their home and their children and their church. 
And I speak blessing over Todd and Tanya and over all the leaders of this church. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing that this church will expand and enlarge. And I pray Jabez's prayer that you would bless them indeed. Enlarge their territory. Let your hand be with them and keep them from harm. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord praise together tonight.